as we look at the sovereign will and purpose of God, we come across a concept or a topic that has brought a lot of division in the church today. And the topic is this word election, that God has chosen us. And so we're going to jump into it. And as I'm reading through it, um, I want to ask you to keep an open mind as we walk through today um, and, and be curious about what God might be up to. All right, so as I'm reading this, this is Ephesians 1 through 16, listen for the will, plan, and purpose of God and how we have a God who acts. He's a God of action. All right, so here we go. Ephesians 1, 1 through 16, the hot topic. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace." with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now we're going to have some time for Q&A today. Uh, So if you've got questions, there'll be a number up on the screen. You can ask them as we go along. Um, don't be scared to ask questions. If I don't get to your question, I can answer it later through text, um, and I'll get to however many I can get to. All right, so our first point, blessed be God. Now, as we're approaching this difficult idea that the Bible lays out, what I want you to see is that this, this, these verses from 3 to 14 are in Greek are one long sentence. And it is 202 words. It's an absolutely masterful sentence that has been called an eruption of praise, a hymn, a poem, and a doxology. Which means it's just like, this is such amazing news that there's nothing else left to do but sing to God how much we love him and all that he's done for us. And this very first word is blessed. Now, as we're looking at this difficult idea, what you need to see is that Paul sees this difficult idea... As something wonderful. He sees it as reasons to praise God. This very first word blessed means, whenever you see the word blessed in the Bible and it's directed toward God, 
That means God is being praised. It means he's being worshipped. And you know, when you think about what praise is, praise is when you take all of this joy and this excitement and this wonder and this awe that starts building up in you and it keeps building and it has nowhere else to go but out, and that's what we would call praise. So Paul is absolutely praising God as he's reading or as he's writing this to God's people. Um, He's looking at this, you might call a difficult doctrine, with joy. And what that means is, you know, I'm, I'm working really hard to set all this up, is if you hear this and it doesn't sound like amazing news, it means you're missing something that Paul has found. Uh, if you see someone next to you and they are so excited about something and, and you're not excited about the thing that they're looking at, ask them, why, what is so exciting about this? And then perhaps they'll tell you, and that's what Paul is doing here. Now, let me continue to set this up. There's a, um, there's a guy, a, a missionary named Harvey Kahn, and he was doing mission work in Korea to prostitutes. And in Korea, if you're a prostitute, it's worse than if you're a prostitute here in America. So they feel like nothing. They feel like scum. And he's trying to tell them that God loves them. And this great news that God has come into the world and he's died for them and he's risen for them. And it means they have life and forgiveness of sins. And he's telling them and nothing's getting through. And they say to him, look, Jesus wants nothing to do with us. We are scum. And he can't get through to them. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to tell them about election. That God has chosen them. Before they chose God. So here's, here's actually what he said to them. It's written down. It says, Our God doesn't love you because you're good. Doesn't love you because you're moral. Doesn't love you because you're humbler. And he doesn't love you because you're surrendered. He actually just chooses certain people and sets his love on you. And just loves you. Because he loves you. Now, for them... Why did they hear this as such good news? Because I don't know if you know this about the the Western modern culture in America, but we love choices. We're obsessed with choices. If you're going to buy something, oh my gosh, you have a million different choices. And then you have this deal and you have this deal. And this one's better because, well, it's rare, but this one is cheaper. So maybe you could get this one. And you have all of these choices. And we're so used to that. And we pick the people who are governing over us. But in that society that he was speaking to, with, to these Korean prostitutes, they're used to having authority. And the Bible is written in such a way that we understand that God is king. And when the king claims you, you're his. And you delight in being claimed by the king. When uh, about two years ago, we walked through a series called The Gospel. The Gospel means good news, joyful news, the best news you've ever heard. And what we did is we thought we looked through all of the Bible with all looked for all these promises that God has given us. And what we said is there's going to be certain promises that resonate more in your heart. And you're going to hear certain promises because of your story, because of your, your um, wounds, because of your sin and your shame and your guilt and your failures. You're going to hear different things, and they're going to sound better to you. They're going to sound more beautiful. They're going to make your heart sing, and there's going to be others that you're like, eh. So when you mature into Christianity, you might say, what the challenge becomes in the Bible is that there's some things that you have yet to fully understand. 
And because you have yet to fully understand them, you haven't seen the beauty in them yet. And so keep searching it out. So what I'm, so I'm still setting it all up. What we're doing here is we're looking at something that is hard for our culture to look at, but other cultures have seen as beautiful. So let's try to find what Paul has found. Let's try to find what these prostitutes have found and have reason to sing out to God. So our second point is the sovereignty of God. So again, our verses are showing us that we have a God who's sovereign, meaning he's in control, and his will and purpose is being set forth. So look, let me show you. His will is said four times in verse 1, 6, 9, and 11. His plan, verse 10. His purpose is three times in verse 5, 9, and 11. It says all of these things have been set forth by him, verse 9, and all of these things have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 4, it says that we have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And then it says... In verse 5, we have been predestined to be adopted. Well, you guys are really quiet. Verse 11, predestined according to his will. Okay, so where does the drama come in about these, this election? And it comes in in this. If God has chosen some, that means he has passed over others. And then we go, no. Oh. Now, look, Paul does not see this the way we're seeing it. When Paul sees this, he's shouting out for joy at the goodness that God has done. In other words, it's a gracious thing that God has saved any. But then, if you go to Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, this is like the famous area that deals with these things. What you find is that at the very end, you can't read Romans 9 without reading 10 and 11. And when you read the end of Romans 11, what you find is this strange thing. It says that God has hardened the hearts of some so he might go back and lavish them with grace. So he's doing something. So that later, people might say, oh, I see what happens when God gives me over to myself. I've seen it, and it's not good, but he's still come back for me. And that's a beautiful thing. So then Paul responds to all that with praise and praise and praise. All right. So here's the four. I want to lay out four potential ways that the Christian church has approached this difficult doctrine. The first one is, would say that we have, um, that God has foreknowledge, meaning that God has predestined us, meaning he knew what we were going to do before we did it, before he created all the world. That's the first one. The second one is that we have been chosen in Christ, which means God has chosen Christ, and then in Christ, by faith, we, we believe and we're swept up into unity with Christ. And then that means that God has chosen Christ and we are in Christ, so therefore we are chosen. Are you confused? This one's even harder. So the third, view, the third one to look at is that of all the possible worlds that God has made, by the way, this is not an argument for aliens, so like some of you are like, this, this is, don't go there. Um, of all the possible worlds that God has made, he has made the world that he made, and in making this world the way that it is, it meant some, because 
Like life was going to roll out the way that it did. It meant some would choose him and some wouldn't. Therefore, God chose some and God didn't choose others. And the fourth one is that we wanted nothing to do with God and we were never going to choose him. So he came for us and he picked us and he showed us an amazing love and he made our hearts alive. He like made us new. And then, so then we said, I I want you, God. So he picked us, so we picked him. Now, here's what I love about the growth. All four of these views are represented here. And none of these views makes you not a Christian. And here's what else I love about the growth. We have unity in our diversity. And if you want to be at a place that will truly discover truth... You have to be at a place that allows you to say, I've got this idea about God. And you lay it out there. And maybe you're crazy, but you don't know it yet. So you lay it out there, and then somebody else is like, oh, I love you and I respect you. Have you considered this? So what begins to happen is we start, we start seeing iron sharpening iron. The friction actually makes truth rise up to the top, which means there must be unity in our diversity. And let me tell you something. So the whole point of this whole book in Ephesians is for there to be a unity amongst the diversity that has happened because of the love of God in Christ Jesus. So let, let me tell you what that means for you then. Love is the ultimate unifier. Okay, that's good. So then that means to reach the heights of love, we look at people who think differently than we do and we love them still. In fact, that's a greater height of love. It's easy to love people who think everything just the way that you do. In fact, the Bible talks about that. One of the harder things to do is to love your enemy. They think the opposite of you. So if you want to reach the heights of what love is, you look at people who are different than you and that you think different than you and you love them. And then when you do that, you will create an environment where truth can rise up to the top. All right. So let's look at a few of these verses. Oh, you know what? Let me say this too. If you talk to someone and they begin to vilify somebody else who doesn't have the view of theirs in this area, be careful. I want to read to you from John Stott. John Stott, is, he's one of my heroes. He's um, a scholar, and uh, he writes commentaries on books of the Bible. And he says, Scripture nowhere dispels the mystery of election. We should, be aware, we, should, we should be aware of any who try to work it out too precisely or rigidly. It is not likely that we shall discover a simple solution to a problem which has baffled the best brains of Christendom for centuries. So that means don't shy away from the conversation, but have complete respect for the person if they view things differently than you do. All right, so let's look at some of the scriptures. So we have a famous Bible verse that says, we love because he first loved us. Second one is that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses. Dead people can't pick God. God must make them alive first for them to direct their love and their gaze upon God. Third, John fifteen sixteen, You have not chosen me, I have chosen you. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says again in John six forty four. No one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. Faith is a gift. We see in Ephesians 2. It says, Faith is a gift so that none might boast. 
In other words, you didn't make yourself have faith. God is even seeing this as a gift. And then in, um, and, and it's done so that not my boast. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it's like this. God, I deserve nothing that you have just given me, and you have blessed me beyond measure, and I don't even know why you did it. And you look at God, and you're like, God, why have you done this to me? And he said, I just love you. And you say, yeah, but, and he says, but I just love you. And you say, but yeah, and he's like, stop arguing with me and stop denying my love. I just love you. Just take it. And then in Hebrews 12, 2, it says that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. So faith isn't just a gift that's been given, but it's also Jesus perfecting our faith. He's doing the work there. All right, and then if we dig deeper into our verses, we see the very first thing Paul says is that I am an apostle, not because of my doing, but because of the will of God. So God did this to Paul. Then when you hear the word predestination, here's how you should hear it. Here's how you should think. It's like you are a chosen one of God. He picked you and he delighted in doing it. Um, you know, there's great movies where there's a chosen one, like, it's like they have this destiny that they're going to live into, and they just can't help it. And they keep making all these bad decisions, yet they still become this person somehow. Well, it's like that with you and God. And then, and then there is this sense where Christ is the ultimate chosen one. And by your faith in him, you become swept up in this unity that you have with him. And then it says, all things have been set forth by him according to the counsel of his will. And so then we ask, okay, God, well, why did you choose me? And it says, he says Paul says, to make you holy. What's that mean? Well, it means that you are set apart as something special. Like his chosen possession is the way the Bible calls it. Um, it means that uh, you are set apart as royalty. And then we say, well, why did you choose me again? And he says, well, to make you blameless, which means you're completely sinless. And he delighted in making you sinless. He delighted in taking all the sins that you have, carrying them on the cross, dying in your place, and rising to give all of these blessings to you. And you say, well, what's the blessings? You say, well, this is why I chose you, to give you every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So when Christ opens up the heavens and come down, all of the blessings come down. You know, he's the firstborn son of God. All of the inheritance is his, and then he shares all of it with you. Now, okay, just think about that for a minute. All of the inheritance that Jesus Christ gets, he shares it all. Why? Because he loves you. Why does he love you? He just does. Um, all right, sometimes stories help make sense of truth. So I want to read you this story. It's a little bit long, but especially the second half really communicates what we're supposed to feel when we hear this. Because if Paul is hearing this and he's seeing this as this is a reason to praise God and we're not feeling that, well, there might be a reason why. So let's see if this story can help us. Imagine long ago in a kingdom, there was a man orphaned at birth. He's in and out of jail, had a long record of wrongs and debts. He owed some very bad people. We'll call his name Chosen. Chosen never saw his life as his fault. In fact, he blamed the good king for it all, though everybody loved this king. Then one day, there was a knock on his door. It was a man with the king's symbol. He called himself the teacher. Chosen slammed the door in the teacher's face. The next day, the king's soldier showed up at Chosen's door. I must be in trouble with the king, Chosen thought. It's all catching up to me. So he slipped out the back. 
A soldier chased him down, but Chosen grabbed an old woman's bucket and hit the soldier in the head with it. That becomes important later. A week later at the well, getting water, a homeless man began talking with Chosen. Chosen just wanted to be left alone, so he belittled this bum, but the bum wouldn't leave him alone. And then all of a sudden, men that Chosen owed great money to surrounded him. And with clubs in hand, they moved to strike him. But before they beat him, this bum removed his poor man's clothing and revealed himself as the prince. The mean and vile men stepped back, and the prince said to Chosen, Come with me. At this point, Chosen felt he had no choice. Follow or be beaten. Plus, there was something about the prince. But then he thought, I must be in real trouble here. So they entered the castle, and the prince sat him down at a large feast. The king and family came in, and they sat to eat. Chosen remained silent through the meal, but watched the happy royal family. The meal ended, and Chosen was given a room in the king's house. The next day, he had access to anything on the castle grounds. Again, at dinner, he watched the happy family but didn't say a word. This went on for days until finally he said, Okay, what's the deal? Why am I here? You are family, said the king. Me? I didn't know my parents. Are they royalty? Oh, no. It's not because of your parents. It's because I, the king, chose you. Why? What do you want with me, said Chosen, to send me off to one of your battles like some slaughtered pig to die? No. My sons aren't pigs, but yes, you will have an army to lead when you're ready. So you do want me to fight? Only if you want to, said the king. But once you see what, you're doing, what we're doing, I think you're going to want to help. So I'm part of the family, Chosen said, and I can fight if I want, but there's no reason why. Oh, yes, there's a reason why, said the king. Well, what is it? It's my good pleasure and will to adopt you, pay your debts, and set you apart as prince. A prince? Yes. Why, asked Chosen, I've already told you, because I'm the king and it delights me. Have you done with this with others? Yes, all those who are here except my son, he went out and got you all. There are people much better than me, why, did you choose th- why didn't you choose them? Are you saying you would rather go back to your old life? Well, no, that's good. But what did I do to deserve this? Deserve? Do you want what you deserve? No, I guess not. So you want grace? Yes, grace. I'll take grace, said Chosen. Good, said the king. But what about everybody else? Why didn't you pick them? It sounds like you're focused on the wrong thing. Chosen said, I guess it seems too good to be true. I mean, I'm trying to figure out why you picked me. I already told you. It delighted me to pick you. What do you want me to do? I don't know how to respond to this. Enjoy the grace, my son. It will be the hardest thing for you to do but it will honor me if you do it. This is the story of you and God. He saw you and he picked you and he delighted in you. So enjoy him. Just enjoy him. Just stop asking all of the questions that are keeping you from him and just see that he saw you as special and he loves you and just enjoy it all. And so some might say to this, well, you know, David, it sounds a lot like I'm like this robot now, like I don't have any choice in the matter. And the answer is no, that's absolutely not true at all. In fact, quite the opposite is true. He's given you a new heart that is fully alive. And so when you see him, you choose him, you pick him. 
and you delight in him because he delighted in you. All right, so this brings us to our third point, and it's human responsibility. So this is the really fun stuff in the Bible. There is a tension found here where we have the sovereignty of God, where he's absolutely in control of all things, and then God says, but you are responsible for everything. <laughs> so there's a, And if you take this tension and pull it really tight, and then you pluck the string in the middle, it sounds like music. And so one of the best things you can do when you read the Bible is if you find things that aren't making sense, and they seem to contradict each other, well, take those two truths, hold them super tight, and that's where you find beauty. So here's our third point. Human responsibility is hinted at in verses 15 and 16. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the saints. It's your faith and your love. So faith is a gift. But then you've got to take possession of it and make it yours. And once it's yours, and you have this love that you've received from the Father, and you receive the love, but you've got to make it yours. And once it's yours, this love is dwelling in you, and it's pulsating within you. And you look out at the world, and you look out at it with love. The same way that God saw us while we were still his enemies and loved us all the way to the core, the same way we look out at the world and we love every bit of it to the core because we have been loved by our good God. It's like the person who doesn't choose God doesn't want God. But the person who chooses God chooses God because God has delighted in them and changed their heart, and now they want God. Um, He didn't choose you because you're holy. He chose you to make you holy. He made you alive when you were running from him as fast as you could. And so, how do we hear all of this? Okay, well, we hear it like this. God has said, enter into the castle and become a prince. So walk in. Well, is God making me do it? Well, no. He made you alive to do it. And that's a very different thing. You are not a robot. Let's go back to the story real quick. Chosen, now lavished with grace, is filled with immense love for the king. His heart begins to change. He grows wise, loving, and good. And he looks at all the injustice of the world and wants to do something. He wants to see others loved by the king. And so he goes to the father and says, Father, I'm ready to join the battle. And the father gives him a broken bucket. And he says, what's this? And the king says, this is the bucket that you stole from the old woman and broke on my soldier's head. Fix it. Give it back to the old woman. And the soldiers right over there go say sorry. And by the way, the wise man at your door, that was my prophet. Go to him and learn from him. And don't shut the door to truth again. And then the king says, Now that your eyes have been opened, you must see. If you are faithful in a little, then you will be faithful in much. Do this and your destiny awaits you. You have to become who he's making you become. You have to become who you're meant to be. You are a chosen one of God who has made for more amazing things than you could imagine. 
And if you open your eyes to that, you will actually start walking into that. You know, there's something so amazing that happens to people. Uh, let me tell you this. I wasn't planning to tell you this, but I'll tell you this. My grandmother, Grandma Gloria, um, she used to sit right up here. She passed away like a year and a half ago. She used to just tell me when I was little that I was special. And I believed her. And it made me different. And if, can you imagine? It's like, well, well, Grandma Gloria, why do you love me? I, she just loved me. And so you think about God and you say, well, God, why do you love me? And he says, I just do. I picked you. And you know what that'll do to you? It'll change you forever. Because this is, God is not someone's grandmother. God is God. He's made everything else and he holds everything in the earth together right now. And he's hung the stars in the sky and he's looking at you and he's saying, I pick you and I will pick you over and over and over again. And no matter what you do to me or don't do to me, I'm picking you all the way. And you say, oh my gosh, I want to just honor you forever all my life. I see it now. So become the prince. And then the question becomes for you, last point, what will draw this royalty out of you? And the answer is discovering the mystery of God's will. There's this whole mystery all throughout the Old Testament that is made clear here. What is the mystery? That all of the blessings of heaven have been opened, the heavens have opened up and all the blessings have come down to you. One of those blessings is that you are chosen by God. The other ones are like you've been justified, you've been adopted. We're going to get to these all the way through the series. Um, they are beautiful and amazing blessings. And this mystery that puzzled all of the earth has now been made known. How? By the grace of Jesus Christ. The only way it's possible. And the way that it happened is God's firstborn son, the only true royalty, bloodborn, you can say, he came into the world and he died for you. He gave his life. He lived his whole life for you, and he died his death for you. And he's the son of the king that came into our world like a bum. He dressed in rags. And Isaiah said he had no beauty that we should desire him. And he came to pay our debt, to pay your debt. And well, what's your debt? Your debt is death. And he came to pay it in full. And he went to this cross, this terrible but beautiful and lovely cross, and he died there. And then he rose. And when he rose, he removed his grave clothes. He revealed his beauty, and evil fled from him. Darkness, like, leapt away. And then in John, we're told that, well, where did he go? He went to go prepare a room for you in his father's house with your name above the door. And that name above the door was written there before the foundation of the world. And the room has just been waiting for you. The Ephesians who are listening to this letter, they walked in two worlds. They walked in Ephesus, but they also walked in Christ they, were residency, they had a residency in heaven. So they walked in heaven and Ephesus at the same time. And the same thing is true for you. You walk in heaven and on earth both at the same time. You are a wandering prince and a wandering princess on this wor- in this world. Waiting for the day when your king calls you home. 
But while you are here, you are an ambassador of heaven. You are, you are royalty of heaven, and you're building heaven here on the earth right now. And you do it, and you sit here as royalty. And you wear your crowns, not even knowing it. People can't see it, but that's whose you are. You are the son or daughter of the king. So become that. And you do it the most by remembering this. That the same time, no, before, before he hung the stars in the heavens, he hung your name upon his heart. And it's been there before the foundation of the world. He's just waiting for the day when you come home. And he's going to be so happy to see you there. He's looking at you now, delighting in you. So delight in him and praise him and praise him and praise him because this is good news. And, and just let me say one thing. If you're frustrated right now with this whole doctrine, like that's okay. You're loved. You're here. I'm sure you have a lot more questions. Let's see what comes up, but let me pray first. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you would give us wisdom beyond our understanding that we might understand this and see the beauty of it. And where we can't see it right now, I pray that you would, and you would stir up something to give us an eye to see something that has perplexed us and has perplexed great minds throughout history. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it possible that there are people that God won't or doesn't choose? Okay, so this is like the hard question, right? So what does all of this mean? Well, there are Bible verses that say that um, God has called everyone, right? Um, it, there are Bible verses that says that God has died for all of the earth. Um, C.S. Lewis, I think, is pretty helpful here um, in that there's a paradox here that, that doesn't quite make a lot of sense to us. So what do we do with it? Well, C.S. I love C.S. Lewis, and he says something that I think is profound. Um, he says that those who essentially reject God want to reject God, and God has given them what they wanted. But those who have accepted God, God didn't give them what they wanted. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know, this is hard, right? So, but we're figuring it out, and we'll figure it out together. Okay, let's see if there's other questions that come in. One of the common things that, that you hear from people is, well, if God knows everything that's going to happen, why do, we, why do we pray? Why do we even tell people about God if God is going to pick who God is going to pick? And it just doesn't work that way. Um, there, there's something uh, beautiful in knowing that God is in control, which means like if there's something happening, um, like and you're praying for somebody or something and they're just not coming to faith and it's breaking your heart, like there's one sense in where it's not on you. It's not your fault. Well, then you're like, well, is it God's fault? And I'm like, well, I don't, yes, no, I, no, but no, but yes, but it's actually th their fault. But you see, this is hard. So, um, I don't, uh, yeah. Yeah, great. So, this is more of a comment, I think. Great connection for unity in different doctrines around the church of Ephesus is not to forget the first love. Yeah. So, there's, um, there's in the book of Revelation, it says, uh, don't forget your first love. And it's talking to the church in Ephesus. And what it's saying is that Christ was the one who unified you all the way in the beginning. 
You know, so like we don't talk about this a lot. And I think the silence about it is like, you know, showing that. But, um, you know, we're united in Christ. We have unity in Christ. Um, you can hear everything that I said today and say, I, I don't know if I believe that. And that's perfectly okay. You don't have to. Um, just keep searching scripture. Uh, this is always what you go to. And if I ever say something that you're like, I don't think I agree with that. Well, look here. Don't, don't, I, I, I am only simply trying to say what this says the best that I can. And I am just a man, but this is more than me. So always go to this. All right. I hope I did some justice here. Um, if, if you have more questions, please ask me. I was actually expecting more questions to come in, but that's it. So um, let me pray for us. And um, then we're going to do something that uh, is beautiful. So, Father, we pray that you would uh, give us joy, give us peace. Um, that if we are having a hard time with this, that uh, you would still our hearts. And show us that you're good. Let us see the beauty of this. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Follow our social media at the Grove Church Official and check out our website, thegrovechurch.co.